Hello, I'm Marsha. Thanks for downloading Marsha Meets. For the second and final time, I went back up to the Edinburgh Festival and spoke to a bunch of comedians there. Today you'll hear from this lot. Zoe Lyons. Jack Whitehall. Miles Jupp. Pippa Evans. Sammy J. Kate McIver. Lady Garden. Pete Johansson. Tom Baston. Bridget Christie. Jim Jeffries. Rudy Liquid. Ashley Hames. Boyle. Arms. And her. Glenn Wall. Matt Kirshen. Patrick Monaghan. Will Anderson. And Andrew Maxwell. <laughs> I asked them what their favourite Edinburgh Festival stories were. I wasn't sure if anyone would be able to top Rod Gilbert's anal recorder playing story that he said the last time I did this, but they came through. I um, discovered something protruding from my bottom. Brendan Burns drinking beer out of one of their scrotums. If anyone was on their way home after a lengthy night out, that would be quite a frightening thing to see walking towards you in the street. I just felt this whoosh, this gush, and I thought, oh my God. And then they started screaming to see my penis. And I started thinking, is this normal? That was the most disgusting thing I have ever seen. We'll hear those in full in a bit. I'm briefly interrupting to let you know that I'm Marsha from yesyesmarsha.com and this is from a series of interviews that I did from 2009 to 2011 called Marsha Meets, which were long-form interviews with stand-up comedians that eventually inspired the book Off the Mic, the world's best stand-up comedians get serious about comedy. That book's out now on Bloomsbury Publishing. Back to the interview. First, in case you've not made it to Edinburgh this August, I asked them how the Fringe has been this year. Miles Jupp. It seems a lot more happy than last year. Last year I think the weather was quite bad for the whole of the month and I suppose the crunch had just started and people generally seemed a bit miserable and grumpy. There does seem to have been a much happier atmosphere this year. This festival I think has been the best one that I've done. Tom Basden. And I don't just mean in terms of my shows, or <laughs> arguably they are, but just in terms of the overall sort of atmosphere and the number of people seeing stuff is amazing. This year it's just been really great. There's been so many people in the audiences for shows that there's just much less of a sense of competition, much less of a sense of it being a trade fair, but it does really feel feel like it's properly a, a live comedy theatre festival, which is really wonderful. As a festival, it's been crazy. Pippa Evans. The first week was so busy compared to last year, because last year I had to paper, which is when you give away free tickets, so anyway you can get people in for the first four days, because you're competing with everyone, and all the famous acts are also papering, so that gives an example. This year, didn't have to paper at all, sold out for the first five days, which you'd like to think is because of the calibre of your show, but actually it's because there's so many people, there was enough people to sell out pretty much all the shows, which is unbelievable, so it's very exciting. Pete Johansson, who was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago is in Edinburgh for the first time and is loving it. It's been pretty amazing. This is my first show. It's my debut and um, the reaction from the press has been fantastic and my friends aren't being nice to me so that usually means you're doing well in comedy. I'm kidding. They're all being nice to me but just sort of, you know, angry. It's been great. All the shows have been wonderful. It's been a real experience. It wears you down a little, though. There's so much late-night stuff, and, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of the drinking and the drugs, but, you know, you do what you do for your career. Yeah, it's been fun. I love it. I couldn't do this forever, though. I'd die. I'd die very quickly. I asked him what his festival coping strategy is. I have naps. I have three naps a day. I wake up at 11. I have my uh, four to five nap. And then after my show, I have a quick nap. And then sometimes I'll have another quick one if I have another late show at around one-ish. I'm like an old man, or a cat. Maybe I'm a cat. I'm an old cat. That's what I am. By the way, Pete's show was one of my most favorite things that I saw at the Fringe. I laughed so much that I did that ugly donkey laughing. 
I'm not going to replicate it now. I'm sure you're quite pleased about that. But do go and see him live if you can. Pete Johansson. Heath McIver is also doing his debut solo show at The Fringe as a puppet called Randy. He got involved in Mark Watson's 24-hour show. My old pal Sammy Jay and I jumped on a bus and went out to the airport. What happened was uh, Mark Watson's 24-hour show started 20 minutes late. So they decided to get everyone to sit their clocks back 20 minutes. And then we dressed Sammy in about 50 different items of clothing, went on a bus out to the airport at 9 o'clock yesterday morning after no sleep, quite pissed, and filmed him greeting people getting off planes, telling them to set their clocks back to new Scottish time, which was 20 minutes earlier. We got nailed by security pretty much straight away, but it made for some good footage. So we were the winners on the day, I think. There, yep. It's up on YouTube. I think it's called New Scottish Time at the Airport. So that was fun. This is the highlight of my year. I mean, I basically start looking forward to this in September. Bridget Christie. I can't ever imagine not being here. I just think it's absolutely magical and wonderful. But it does seem different this year. There hasn't been, like, a really weird outsider that everyone's gone. Have you seen this weird thing from Russia or something? So I think there's just that little odd thing that's missing this year. It's our first festival here. It's amazing fun. We've had a great unexpected run of great fun and great numbers in and it's gone a lot better and smoother than we thought it would. Foil Arms and Hog are a sketch team who found that being from Dublin hasn't done them any harm when it comes to flyering for their show on the Royal Mile. The Irish accents seem to work a treat over here. We weren't expecting it. Like, we just got yeah, here the first day in the mile, and you just stop a bunch of people. Scottish girls seem to yeah, be, like, cold. our demographic yeah. on the mile. We're, We're like, about to leave. They're getting themselves ready to say no, and then they hear the Irish accent, and they go, actually, yeah, no, I'd love to see whatever you're peddling. Yeah. <laughs> I had one girl come up to me and was like, is your show funny? I was like, well, I think it's funny. I mean, I like it. She goes, oh, it doesn't matter. She, even if it's shit, she'll just come and listen to your accent. <laughs> <laughs> Any way to get them in. Dollars and cents. Yeah. <laughs> you stand out there and you're just trying to come up with different ways to get people to take your flyer. Will Anderson, not blessed with a Dublin accent, has to be a little more inventive. You will start with very simple things like, are you looking to see some comedy? But after a while you just get desperate, so then it's like, sleep with your favourite cast member for the show, uh, please take the flyer, it's made of chemicals, if you lick it you get high. Whatever you will do to get that person just to take that piece of paper, it becomes a real achievement. And so it's very weather dependent, because if it's not raining, there's people around, and if it rains, there's not going to be people to hand them to. So every morning I get up, and every morning it rains, there is an old guy, I swear, at the end of my street, who every morning loads animals into an arc two by two. The weather has just been, it just has rained every day. I really think they should try and hold this festival in summer. On to your favourite bit, the stories. We'll start with some about distracting audience members. Sketch team, Lady Garden. Last year, we actually had a Scotsman in a kilt on the front row. It was about halfway through. We gradually, one by one, started to realise that he was wearing it in true Scotsman style and his legs were open and he was he was essentially flashing us. We were going backstage, just absolutely wetting yeah, ourselves. And actually just like laughing on stage and having to direct everything to the ceiling, averting our eyes. But then there was another man as well who would just sat at the back of the auditorium with his mobile phone, just filming the whole thing with like a very weird, sleazy look on his face. We've never seen where that film's gone. Find that on Red Tube. Um, it's something actually that people still talk to me about. Bridget Christie. Her husband, who she refers to later in this story, is fellow comedian Stuart Lee. I did two years of shows up here about Charles II because I'm really into him. 
and I play him in the show. And in one of the shows, in the front row, I couldn't work out what was happening. It looked like a lady in the front row was getting like a wig out of her bag. And I didn't want to mention anything because it was a wig. And then it was like moving. And I realised it was a dog, right? She had a dog in her bag on the front row. And I said to her, sorry, this is in the middle of the show. I said, is that a dog in your handbag? And she said, oh, yeah, sorry. Like, he comes everywhere with me. I said, for God's sake, take him out. He's been in there for like 35 minutes. So she got him out and then I picked the dog up in the show and I was holding the dog. And as I was walking around doing jokes, at the end of every punchline, the dog would do a massive yawn. Like, (laughs) just totally, I'd get to the end of a line and it would go, and do this massive yawn. And then the same dog was later on in my husband's show. And in my husband's show, my husband had a cooked haggis. And the dog went absolutely nuts. So the same dog had been into my show and caused havoc and my husband's show in the same day and caused havoc in both of them for different reasons. And people still say to us, do you remember that dog? When I do my show, my adult show, at the end, I do a quick little dance thing where I get the audience up and I do this little walk thing. Patrick Monaghan. But one night as I was doing it, I finished off and it was a lovely crowd, but there was a couple of people really drunk and a bloke and his missus, but they were lovely. But as I get off, the bloke goes, excuse me, um, can you dance with my missus? And I said, well, I'm just about to finish. I've said goodnight and stuff, but and the audience are all laughing because he's obviously, he hasn't realised what's happening. The audience are all looking at him, looking at me puzzled. And I said, this isn't Strictly Come Dancing. You know, I can't just bring people up. And he went, oh, no, but I love her. Will you dance with her for me? So the audience are all now cheering, going, yeah, dance with her, dance with her. And I swear to God, she was as drunk as him. So she staggers on stage, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do here? So I thought, OK, I'll have a laugh, right? So the tech put some music, I don't even know what, like it was like Christina Aguilera or something. So me and her started jiving, and we're dancing. The next thing, she was really drunk. I spun around, and she jumped on me like, you know, like dirty dancing, you know, where the girl cups the bloke with his legs around her. She put her legs around me, and she's not a big lad but she wasn't light and she cupped her legs around me right round and I started shaking around and I swear to God in about 10 seconds I just felt this whoosh, this gush and I thought oh my God and I felt like a woman I felt like my waters had broke or something and I thought where's this water come from and then as I spun around and took her off all my chest here was just soaking wet like drenched and as I looked to the lead, and the audience are in hysterics, they're following around. I looked to the lead, and I see this woman just stood there, really drunk, but she stood there like a little puppy with her head just dipped and just water coming from her crotch all just dripping down. And I'm thinking, what? Sh- oh, my God. And I'm trying to save her blushes, and the audience are all killing themselves laughing. It doesn't matter what I said. And I said to her, I said, oh, I think you must have left the ice cream in your pocket, love. It's melted. And they're, like, howling. And so I just shook her to dry off, and she walked off, and she was so drunk, she couldn't run. And then I said to the audience, listen, thanks. And they were just dying. I couldn't say anything. I was just like, look, if you want to have a chat with me, guys, I'll be at the hand dryer after the show. And then as I'm walking off and they're like laughing and clapping, I said, thanks so much. And her husband stood up drunk and he went, hey, mate, just before you go, can you dance with me? And I thought, what? Only in Edinburgh, only these shows can happen like that. It's crazy, crazy people. As with the last bunch of these stories, there are a lot of late and live ones about shows with amazing lineups. Rudy Liquid. The first time I came down here and did late and live, Daniel Kitson was the host and he took like 40 minutes before he brought me on. And then when he did bring me on, I had Peter Kay running around the back of me, bollock naked. And then Daniel Kitson came on and he started playing the drums. And I thought to myself, this is just madness. From what I was later made to understand, this is what Late and Live is all about. In 2000, I went to the last Late and Live, which was in the old venue. The year after that, it burned down. But that was an amazing gig. Matt Kirshen. That was Ross Noble comparing Adam Hills, Johnny Vegas. Puppetry of the Penis went on and did a cameo 
which finished with Brendan Burns drinking beer out of one of their scrotums. One of the scroti? What's the plural? What's the singular? Anyway, whatever it was, the skin was stretched, there was beer in there, and there was Brendan with a straw. That was also the same night Boothby Graffo came on pretending to be a dog and ripped Adam Hills's leg off. It is worth pointing out that Adam Hills has one false leg. Like, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that kind of gig. My favourite Edinburgh story is actually, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, it's one of those stories that old comedians tell young comedians in bars. And I always wonder when I hear this story whether it's, like, just passed down as a legend or whether this story is actually true. Will Anderson. But I was playing Late in Live the other night, which is famous like the hardest club in Edinburgh and you always get told this story five minutes before you go on and someone did it to me again they said of the time this comedian was playing late in life and he'd gone for 15 minutes had not got one single laugh and then uh, he's decided to do a bit of audience stuff hi what's your name what do you do because all he wants is that one laugh so he can get off stage and he's gone up to this guy and gone hi what's your name and the guy said Dave Allen. Now, it was the famous Irish comedian Dave Allen, and every single person in the room recognised it was Dave Allen, apart from this poor comedian who was on stage and was so flustered from being up there for so long that he either just blanked or didn't know it was Dave Allen, and he said, Ha, oh, Dave, what do you do? And Dave Allen just looked back at him and said, I'm a comedian, what do you do? Which is my absolute favourite Edinburgh story, and every time I walk on stage at Late in Live, it always goes through my mind. Of I just hope at the end of this gig I can walk off and say, I'm a comedian, what do you do? There is, however, now a new contender threatening to take over the position of most outrageous show on the fringe. This is Pete Johansson. Of the weirdest thing I've experienced here in Edinburgh that I don't think I've experienced in a comedy club, well, that'd have to be Spank, uh, the late night show. Uh, I've done it twice now. They invited me back after my first appearance. My first one, I, I'd never seen the show, and uh, I didn't realize that when you said spank, the crowd goes crazy. And I also didn't realize that I had to follow a naked guy that went up uh, in front of me to get some promotion for his show, and he took his clothes off, and he had the tiniest little penis I've ever seen in my life with the longest foreskin. It was like a little, tiny little snuffleupagus or an anteater hanging off, and it was burned into my brain, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like, I'm not into that, but you can't lose that image, you know? And I've I never actually had to go on stage after that, after after that kind of fear of a little penis. And so I went up and I did somehow well following a tiny penis. And I went back uh, the other night and just incredible audience, drunk screaming. And then they started screaming to see my penis. And I started thinking, is this normal? Is this what I have to do to make the next step in my career? And I, I got to be honest with you, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to do it. So uh, I'm thinking when I do it again next week, penis is coming out. Wouldn't do that in a club. A lot of laws. The most shocking thing I've ever seen at Edinburgh was when I went to see uh, Spank. Jack Whitehall. Scott Capurro was on, and it was the first time I'd ever seen Scott Capurro. And I went with a friend of mine who was like a recently converted Christian and watched Scott Capurro. And Scott Capurro got a man up on stage, and there was uh, there was some like was, I, I, was, I ended up seeing genitals at about three o'clock in the morning. And uh, I think it put off my friend for a comedy for life, and he's never come back to see me because he assumes that that's what all comedy is. It's just genitals and uh, minor sexual assaults occurring on stage at 3 o'clock in the morning. There was something that happened last year at Edinburgh. I missed it, but the stories went round of a particular late-night gig. Zoe Lyons. Where somebody did a doody in a bucket in front of the stage. Yes, to promote their own show. This happened. My friends were witnesses. Usually what happens is they get somebody to strip off completely to promote their own show. But this particular person went a little step further and did a doody in a bucket. And I don't think you've truly lived until you've seen somebody do a doody in a bucket in a quite hot room. Because let's face it, the rooms get very hot and airtight up here. I think there was quite a lot of gaggage going on. I have no idea what they did with the exhibit 
after this particular installation piece. I don't know where it went. It probably went on to have a show of its own somewhere. It's probably doing very well in some grotty little room somewhere, festering away. Two years ago, and I don't tell this story very often, I'm, I've saved it for you. Sammy J. It was the final night of Edinburgh, and I was having an Aberdeen Angus beef burger up near the Gilded Balloon, and I'm a skinny man, and I had a bit to drink, and I didn't chew very well. I just crammed the burger in. And the next day in the shower, I was washing myself and I um, discovered something protruding from my bottom. Nothing, I didn't know what it was. It was bizarre and I gave it like a tug and my whole insides went queasy and it was a very foreign feeling. And I continued to tug this object and it came out and it was a full piece of onion that had failed to digest at all. It had worked its way through my body of its own accord and popped out the other end. And um, I told everyone the story. I went and told the Aberdeen Angus Beef Burger people the story. Everyone found it funny. I went back to Australia and told the people the story and they were shocked and I lost a few friends over it. So this is the first time I've told the onion story, but it is true and it's a lesson that when drinking, digest and chew. Even in the daytime, people go to some quite extreme lengths to promote their shows. Pippa Evans. There was a woman, I remember, first show came up who did a show and I can't remember the name of the show, but it was something like... Janet's grim day of fun or something like that and she wore a full body suit which had full pubic hair and breasts and uh, period blood all over her that she had smeared hopefully not real and she just wandered around selling her show wearing this suit which then the police stopped her saying she wasn't allowed so then she had to wear a big mac to cover it up and so then she would flash people with her, her period blood legs. It's the most disgusting thing I have ever seen in my life. But I did think, you know, no one would stand on Leicester Square flying like that, would they? It was the most disgusting thing I have ever seen. I did see the other day at 8 o'clock in the morning a woman walking around dressed as a lobster. Miles Jupp. Who was, I think, promoting their show, which for me, it was someone that was just up walking somewhere at that time was quite frightening. I thought if anyone was on their way home after a lengthy, arduous night out, that would be quite a frightening thing to see walking towards you in the street I don't know if people go that is actually that's what I need today isn't it I need to go and see a show featuring somebody dressed as a crustacean that I found a little alarming the things people do to get people into their shows foil arms and hog one fellow was crawling along the ground on a leash with someone with a gimp mask holding them how would people see that and go I want to see more of that Uh, that is something I would like to see. And some fella was in a pair of underpants, Y-fronts, with marmite all over his face oh. and holding marmite. Where would people see that and just go, yeah, that's for me, you know, that's what I crawled across several continents to see. One of the lotteries are going to perform at the Fringe in Edinburgh is where you'll end up living, Lady Garden. This year, the house that we're staying in, basically we got there and he had painted all of the windows shut and some doors. My door's got like two handles on it. And then in the bathroom, there's like another room at the back which has been painted shut. And you can see through this glass panel that there's like a shirt and a brush and some really weird things. And we think there might be a child in there. Have you seen the house in Fight Club? It's like that. I uh, once got put in an apartment above a bagpipe shop. Jim Jeffries. This guy used to teach kids how to fucking play the bagpipes. Every Sunday morning they'd come in for their little thing. And I went down there where I was still hooked up with ecstasy and just yelled in front of this window with these two kids playing bagpipes while I was still in a dressing gown. It was a real little kid and a guy teaching him. It was kind of creepy looking, but that's fairly Scottish. 
That could only happen at this festival. For me, the most amazing standout moment of the Fringe so far was actually in my flat and just meeting Ross Lee. Ashley Haynes has a hot tip. Now, Ross Lee is a comedian. He's not particularly well-known. He's known for doing a BBC kids show, The Shoot, before anything else. But he's doing a stand-up show here. We got hammered one night and he came back to my room and I didn't say a word for about an hour and a half and he just gave me the best show I've ever seen, ever. It was just incredible. The guy is just one of those people you know when you meet him. You are with a star in the making. And I just love that excitement that surrounds him, that I know he's going to kick off. So for me, that's been my most mind-blowing moment. I could tell you lots of stories that they'd be illegal and I don't want to get into trouble. But so Ross Lee is my story. I'm not even sure if I can say the name of the comic who did it because I'm sure they'd still, the police would still take an interest in what he actually did. Glenn Wool. But I was at a house party. It was like end of the uh, festival and it's like on the second floor and the cops had been there a couple times before and uh, you see him come for the third time telling us to keep it down and I'm sort of at the window and I see them, it was like Keystone Cop style, like the both of them got out of the car and slammed the doors so angrily. I'm like, oh, you know, and there's like 95 people in a house. You honestly, it's like a flat. You had to play a sort of stepping game to get across the room, find just a bit of real estate that you can put your foot on because there's so many people in the house. And I'm just at the window and the cops slam the door. They come running up the stairs and... Uh, their mistake was they left one of their windows slightly open and um, another comedian who I know very well who was looking for the party just came across a cop car with the window uh, slightly open and took a big stinky piss in it. I'm watching the whole thing going, oh, wonderful. I just ended up leaving at that point because I looked like a guy who would have taken a piss in a cop car. And I know that once they went back down to their car, probably it would be me to get in trouble. But it was not me. It was another uh, very talented comedian whose name I will not uh, divulge on the air just in case. Well, fuck it, he doesn't live in England anyway, or Britain. Uh, Doug Stanhope is a cop car pisser. <laughs> or maybe he's not. Who knows? Do you know what happened when they went back to the car? I would imagine <laughs> they were upset. I didn't stick around long enough, but I mean, I have a car and I've taken a pee before. So if you ever mix the two of them, I can imagine how, how bad it would be. So I don't think they got back to the car and sort of laughed like the end of a cop show in the 70s. Like, hey, Donnie, is that piss you're sitting in? Yeah. <laughs> Finally, Andrew Maxwell has a story that has an allegorical bent to it. I was only recounting today how I once got beaten up by a cleaning lady in an early house in Leith to my father. Yeah, I kept pestering her saying, let me clean, let me clean, let me do the hoovering. This is tiny wee miserable, miserable woman. She just beat the crap out of me with the hoover, man. While all my friends were laughing and clapping along. And I think that really summons up the festival, you know? You're going to have a lot of joy and a lot of pain. <laughs>
Thanks so much for listening. If you like that, you'll probably love the book that I put together with Deborah Francis White called Off the Mic, The World's Best Stand-Up Comedians Get Serious About Comedy. So asking them things like, what's your writing process? How do you find your voice? What do you think about touring? How do you deal with hecklers? We interviewed 42 stand-ups, including Eddie Izzard, Sarah Millican, Phil Jupiter, Stuart Lee, Mark Maron. It's out now on Bloomsbury Publishing. If you want to find out more, go to yesyesmarsha.com forward slash off the mic.